we won a national championship for for Ole Miss and um, all the past players and all the fans across the country and for the state of Mississippi and the University of Mississippi, uh, we did it. And, uh, we're national champs. Breaking ball. Tommy White. First pitch swinging. In the air to center. D'Onofrio back and it's gone! The legend continues! Got him swinging! The Campbell Campbells, the dynasty of the Big South. And now Tony Vitello bumps the third base umpire. Set. He'll throw that as a line drive in the gap. Did he do it again? It is another ball in the gap for Morrell. Another extra. Oh, that is gone. A home run for Brian Morrell. Swing and a ball driven. Way back. And foul. No, gone. He did it. Ortiz kept it just there and walks it off with a grand slam. All righty, what is up, college baseball fans? Welcome to one of the wildest weekend recap episodes we're ever going to have here. We have so much to talk about. We, weekend number 10 was an absolute just mess. It was chaos through and through. It was basically like the weekend was turned upside down. Um, and if you followed college baseball, you know exactly what we're talking about. But if you didn't, that's what we're here for. We're here to break down everything that happened. Uh, we also have a lot of Patreon questions that we're going to answer from our Patreon community. Uh, they had they asked some really good questions this week, which I'm excited about. And um, this episode is brought to you by Yacker Tech and Baseball Cloud. Um, we got some big news from them. Uh, I, I got off the phone on Friday evening with the CEO and let's just say we nothing's official yet, but it's a f- pretty official that we're going to be going somewhere this summer. Probably the biggest place to go for college baseball in the summertime. And um, we're going to be hosting one of the events and maybe doing a live podcast and interviewing players and things like that. So you guys stay tuned there. Um, it's almost done. All It's in the works right now, but it's almost done. So we really appreciate Yakrotech, who's um, you know, they're a big believer you in ours. You don't even have to hide it. I've, I'm really, I mean, I thought about it the other day. I'm really sad. I'm not going to, I'm going to try, I'm going to see what our schedule looks like at that time. But I'm really sad as of right now. I'm not going to be there because I really want to go back to this place. I've been there two, I've been two, one and a half summer there. Dude, I want to go back. There's so many people I want to see up there. Yeah. Um, so you guys can do your own research and see what we're talking about there, but it was just big time news for 11.7. Um, Tech believes in us. We believe in them. And um, it's, it's cool. It's cool seeing things come to fruition here just after what we've been doing for the last five seasons. But anyways, um, Tech is with us because they are sponsoring our mid-major poll as well. 
which we just released on Twitter. It's a top 25 power rankings of the best non-power five teams in the country. Um, and this year, I'll, I'll be completely transparent and, and honest. As of what is today, April, almost April 24th of 2023, this is the best mid-major baseball season that I can remember. Not just since we've been doing 11.7, but through and through, since I've been following college baseball since like 2003 or 2004, this is the best all-around mid-major like teams that we've we've ever I seen. Think, what if we said not overall top best, but just the deepest? Deepest. That's a good way to put it. Um, and I, I honestly think you're going to see one, at least one of these teams in the College World Series this year. We haven't seen a mid-major team since 2017 when Cal State Fullerton made it to Omaha. I'm saying at least one team, possibly two. It, it's, dude, it's exciting because, of course, we cover the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12, Big 10, Pac 12, um, even though we're getting chirped at a lot for not covering as much Pac 12. Sorry, we will do more. <laughs> um, it just sometimes it gets late at night, and I've been up since 6 a.m. with my son, and Dimitri's six hours ahead. He's asleep. And uh, sometimes the Pac-12 just gets forgotten about, but we will cover the Pac-12 on this episode. Uh, anyways, the um, the main thing that we want to do, because Dimitri and I are both mid-major, former mid-major players, we wanted to really highlight these teams, and that's what we're doing here every single week. And Dimitri came up with the top 25 rankings, and this week was probably the hardest week by far, if I had to imagine, right? It was it was pretty difficult. It was actually like normally you can say difficult, but it wasn't actually that hard. This week was actually hard because if you just go based on metrics, it's one thing. But if you give a little bit of your eye test, a little bit of flavor, personal opinion, it gets really difficult because head to head, week two, you can't you can't take into account every head to head matchup. Like for example. Southern Miss sweep swept Dallas Baptist week three or whatever it was. But Dallas Baptist overall is having a better season. So it's like, okay, now it's time to put them in front of them. But then you're like, oh, but but they swept them. And it's really, it gets really difficult. Right. And that's a good thing, though. Because, I mean, even if you look down at number 25 on our list, Old Dominion, they had a bad week. They're, they're 26 and 13. They're still in the thick of things in the Sunbelt Conference, which is probably the best mid-major conference out there. And they're, they're sitting at 25 right now. We had three or four teams move in. The University of Houston, Wichita State, and um, Troy all moved in this week. And we had to shake up like really the top 10 because teams like East Carolina got swept. They're still at five, but um, you know it pushed some teams down and – all I know right now is the best mid-major resume is Coastal Carolina. I think they are the best mid-major team. I think they're the best team, but really two through 10, you can look at and make a case for like shifting up those, um, those teams like Campbell, UConn, Dallas Baptist, East Carolina, Southern Miss, UTSA, Cal State, Fullerton, Florida Gulf Coast, and Northeastern. At, at certain points in the year, they were top five mid-major teams, maybe top two or top three even number one for some of these teams. And it's just cool for me to see like each and every week is meaningful for these teams because we know how small the at-large bubble is going to be. And 
when you're battling with RPI points and quadrant one wins and, you know, just quality wins in conference, weekend series sweeps, all those things that are piling onto each other. Um, it, it's going to, it's going to be earned this year. It's not going to be given to these teams. They, they have to just play 56 games plus a conference tournament and earn their way into the, the, the NCAA tournament. I'm excited. I think this is something that college baseball is missing and what what ultimately makes it the best college sport because every single team is is liable to win the whole thing. Absolutely. I mean, we couldn't have said I can't agree more. Um, I mean, even if you look at if you look at eight, eight let's just say seven through twelve. Those are some damn good teams. I mean, UTSA, Fullerton, Gulf Coast, Northeastern, Oral Roberts, Indiana State, like all of those teams are having historical years for their program. Indiana and State might host a regional this year, dude. Like, and they're sitting at twelve in our stand or in our rankings. They're, they've won thirteen straight games. They're twelve and one in conference in the Missouri Valley, and they're sitting at number ten in the RPI. The Sycamores, I mean. I don't want yeah. to say it, but dude, if they cruise the last part of their season, there's going to be a regional at Indiana State this year. The committee's going to have no choice. I don't, dude. They have, they have. They, it's hard because their resume is good, their RPI is good, but they just need more quad one win. Two is not enough. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll we can. We're, we'll, I'm sure we'll cover that more later in this episode. We will but. for sure. So, I mean, like, the rest of the season, they don't have – they have Evansville coming up this weekend. They've got one more tomorrow against Southern Illinois. A sweep there would be humongous, Evansville. And, and that's it. I mean, Bradley, Murray State are both 200-plus RPI teams. I mean, uh, Murray – yeah, Bradley, Murray. Then they, they've got Missouri State at the end of the year. So, the quality is not really there anymore. They're through the majority of their schedule. It's just – don't don't screw it up at this point. <laughs> that's the uh, that's the almighty or almighty words of college baseball. Don't screw it up. Um, don't screw it up. The uh, the other sponsor we have is Circus Sportsbook. Uh, they're sponsoring our weekend series pick'em and our Survivor contest all year. We had six people go six and zero oh this week in our weekend series pick'em. Um, do you have those names pulled up? Let's give them a shout out for those six guys that went six and zero. Oh. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll tell you right now. Before I get to the six and O team, our standing shout out to Blaker Mayfield, forty five and thirteen on the pickums this year. Blaker Big Mayfield, we need to hire Blaker Mayfield. He might be the best college baseball insider in the world. And forty five and thirteen, and then I, B Block forty four and fourteen, Beaver B Baseball forty three and fifteen, Jay Smith and Hunter Foster forty three and fifteen. He went to Ole Miss. I went to work. Collab ball seventy. Um, NB Midwest Aggie Matt Perkins forty-one and seventeen. I mean, your top ten. I mean, there's a few more that are forty-one and seventeen too. So, yeah. um, shout out to all those people. Unbelievable this year so far. We've got four weeks left, which is what twenty-four total game. Hey, anything can happen. Hey, the the almighty words of college baseball. Don't screw it up. Um, but on a, on a serious Wait. note, Blaker Mayfield, um, there's a show. There's a really good game show. It's called The Beast, I think it's called. Or maybe they changed it to Chasing the Beast or whatever. Basically, there's a really smart guy, similar to Stump the Schwab, if you guys remember that old ESPN show. 
And it's basically these normal contestants are going up against a genius. Uh, and next year we might have a, if Blaker Mayfield uh, finishes up the season and like with this incredible record and, and wins the whole thing, we might have to do a like beat Blaker Mayfield challenge next season. Just hire on Blaker Mayfield and see who can beat him throughout the year. Like he is the standard. Is it not a one-year wonder? I guess hashtag wait to see. But quick update on our Survivor Challenge. Also, the winner, the last man standing, will get a free three-day, three-night stay at the Cirque Sportsbook in Las Vegas. Um, two teams eliminated this week. We are down to five teams. Blind Man Nate, Central Florida Vol, CLS Homemaker, Robbie Don, and TCC223. They both advance. Marin Monsivais and Braxton Smith have been eliminated. So ah, five that's tough. Left out of a hundred people that started. And, and just to put it in perspective for how like how hard it is to pick a winning team every single week. You were eliminated, I think, in week three, and I was eliminated in week five. We've we've gone five weeks past us being eliminated, and these guys are still picking winners. And it's going to come down to one. Like who is going to win it? Um, we're going to have to have a huge decision if uh, if there's a tie somehow. If someone goes the whole season, we'll have to figure out a tiebreaker. But um, yeah, shout out to those guys, man. That's really impressive. Shows that you guys know your stuff. You're good gamblers, and uh, you know I, I'm excited to see how it shakes out. So absolutely. With all of that said, we're going to start off the show here with some Patreon questions. Um, if anybody. So basically every Sunday night's uh, podcast episode released Monday morning, we ask our Patreon members, you know, do you guys have any questions for us? Any kind of comments, anything you want to have us discuss on the show? And these guys always bring the fire. Like they, our, our Patreon community is very, very smart when it comes to college baseball. And um, these guys study the sport and, you know, they know what they're talking about. And that's honestly my favorite thing of any podcast we do is these Patreon questions because it allows us to kind of talk things through together or maybe talk against each other um, and, and ultimately yeah, just yeah. make it a little bit more fun. Talking, Speaking of going against each other, um, I think people will enjoy this. So last week, um, somebody asked us, can Tennessee make the field? And we went on a heated debate. It got a little more heated than I expected, but I ended up I ended up buying a shirt and a sticker pack for Wu Pig, um, just because. Hey, he asked the question. It gave us ten minutes of debate and content, and I was like, you know what, dude? I think you deserve a shirt. You, it was funny. It was perfect. So yeah, um, that's just some of the things that we like to do. We, 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 we're not trying to sit here and be pennies on the dime and try to keep every dollar that we make. We want to give back. We want to give it back in fun ways. So yeah, that was just one idea, one way we give back to our Patreon members, our subscribers and our, our community in general. So don't be afraid to give your thoughts, opinions, ask questions. You never know. If we are feeling nice, we'll, we'll return the favor real quick. For sure. And and I don't remember how it finished, Dimitri, but 
What what side did you take on Demi- on Tennessee making the field or not? I, I really can't remember. I said, I said I said they have to get to thirteen wins. I said as of, oh I know, stop it. You know I won that debate. Tennessee wow. just swept wow. Vanderbilt. I said, I said they're not going to make the field at twelve wins. They have to win thirteen or more. That's not what you were saying, though. You were saying that they're they're done, like they're done for the year. They're not going to make it. Like they, it it would be an impossible task. Wrong. You're putting words in my mouth. I said they have to get to 13 wins. However, they do it. You said as of right now they're in. I said as of right now they are out. That's what the debate was about. And I said yeah, you said that they were out. And and then whenever we made our our regional projections, you put them in. You agree? Yeah, I did put them in, but you're here. We go again. Here we go. You're pissing me <laughs> off now. I said they have to get to 13 wins as of whatever this episode was recorded last Sunday night. I said they're out as of today. They have to make a lot of noise. And if you go to our website, I put in a freaking note: Tennessee needs to start with a series win versus Vanderbilt this weekend. Okay. So don't don't start this shit with me. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so first question here is from Noah Beanick, and he actually put a pronunciation thing in the in the comments. Um, <laughs> I, I totally butchered it last week. And Noah, I mean, he's a great follow. He's one of the best like college baseball sports gamblers out there. Um, and you guys should follow him on on Twitter. He has his own sports gambling podcast too. Um, but Noah, he says. If you guys had the ability to fix the RPI or replace it, would you? And then how would you? Florida got swept at South Carolina and jumped two spots. Um, I love where his head's at here. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the floor first, and then you can, you can respond after that. But I've always been an RPI hater up until this year. Um, I've always said, hey, RPI is stupid. You know, I think there's better ways to go about it. Little did I know that it's such a fluid ranking system that the RPI right now doesn't mean anything because every single game matters, not only the games you play in, but the games that your opponents in the past are playing in currently as well. So if somebody like South Alabama was maybe to start the first two weeks of the season, 16th in the RPI, and now they're at 73, that's going to hurt your RPI as of today. So like you're going to drop, but to, Make things simpler. Actually, not to make things simpler. To make things more correct, I've always said, in order to fix the RPI, I think each day should be rated differently. For example, a Friday night win should calculate more for the RPI than a Tuesday win or a Saturday. You see what I'm saying? Like a Friday win counts more than a Saturday win. A Saturday win counts more than a Sunday win. And a Sunday win counts more than a Tuesday or Wednesday. I think if there was a way to formulate that, it would put way more drive for teams to just absolutely go balls out on Friday um, and then maybe not care as much on Tuesdays, even though I think it's it's a double-edged sword there. But you know what I'm saying? If you if, if Kentucky beats – well, so game ones, basically, not just Friday, Saturday, Sundays. That was just an easy way for me to put it. But game one should count more than game two. So for like example, if if Mississippi State beats LSU on a Friday, but then loses Saturday and Sunday, it should count more than if LSU wins Friday and Saturday and the Mississippi State wins Sunday. Because there is a big difference. Like you find out like which team is better um, 
or at least you find out which team is better well, that way. I, I do, I do like where your head that is here, but here's the problem. What if a team Friday starter needs a day off? What if like you can, then now you're getting into some super unquantifiable metrics because let's just say Paul. We're already, we're already dealing with unquantifiable metrics. That's already happening. That's what the RPI is. We can't calculate it. Yes, you can. Based you, on the you and way, I, you and stuff. I, Dimitri, you and I could not calculate the RPI. You could give no, us a no, hundred no, no. hours. I'm what I'm. What I'm saying is, what if Paul Skeen gets pushed back to Saturday and LSU loses Friday? You can't. You can't. Well, you can't put that chalk that in or write that in as a Friday win. Technically, it is a Friday win, but if not a Friday win in terms of beating their best arm. Right. Okay. That's fair. I will say here's so another. I like I like your idea, but I feel like that should be way too hard to do. Yeah, I also think road games are weighted like way too heavily. You, if you lose three road games, like your RPI could go up. It, it's kind of dumb. Um, now I will say, like I know they're a competitor of ours, uh, but College Baseball Nation does have something called an RPI Plus that they come out with. Um, I, I haven't looked too much into it. I, I've looked at the rankings, and uh, let me see if I can pull up a description. But they come up with an RPI plus, which has, uh, let's see, RPI plus is a modified RPI statistic that factors in conference RPI. Oh, sorry, in conference RPI, conference record, and other factors. Um, so basically, I guess this is built more towards what the committee has done in um, in in the past. So it sounds like things like there, people are trying to work on fixing the RPI. But at the end of the day, at the very end of the season, everything is going to even out. Um, you're going to be able to find out like who the better teams are and who's the worst teams. Uh, yep. Anyway, can you remind, refresh me on what the original question was? Yeah. If we were, uh, if we had the ability to fix the RPI or replace it, would we? If we had the ability to fix the RPI, how would we do it? Is that basically what it's asking? Yeah. Like, would we do it? And how, how would we do it if our answer is yes? I think honestly, I do, I do, I like the RPI because it's what I know, is what I'm familiar with, and it's been, for the most part, it's been pretty good for the past twenty, however many years it's been around. So, like, I I don't really have much against it. The only thing I would change maybe is the weighting of certain games. I don't know. I I don't know. I think that's too hard of a question to answer because I like the RPI. The RPI is kind of like. It's kind of like a bag of popcorn. Like 99% of the time, you're going to get a good piece of popcorn, but then like mixed in that bag, there's a few like burnt popcorns or maybe unsalted, unbuttered, and you eat it and you're like, nah, that doesn't really taste right. That one doesn't really fit. Because there are some teams scattered in the RPI, like the top 50 that you're like, eh, is Georgia really the 17th best team in the country? I don't think so. Um, is Indiana State the number 10 team in the country? Absolutely not. Yeah, they're just burnt popcorn pieces. You know, you still eat them, but that that's ultimately what I look at the RPI as. Anyways, um, so good question there, Noah. Next question here is from Justin Harrell. Um, this one's kind of a long question, so just hear me out here. Um, after the turnaround sweep of Vanderbilt, what percentage chance would you give Tennessee at this point to be a regional host? Maybe that's a ridiculous question considering that they were on the verge of being out of the tournament, but it feels like this weekend was a turning point in the season. Um Right now, I think Tennessee is two weekends away 
from being back in the hosting picture. Two win, like two winning weekends, um, in order to get back in the conversation. And it's just because they left such a bitter taste in college baseball fans and and, and college baseball committee over the last three weeks, uh, where they they were abysmal. And they still have like Mizzou swept them earlier this year. Like that's a bad taste there. Um, but the good thing about playing in the SEC is that you do have the ability to change your season real quick by getting very quality wins and like winning weekends. So I would put the percentage chance at less than 20%. You're going to need at least two more like big time winning weekends before you're even in the conversation. I mean, Tennessee is eight and 10 in the SEC right now. If they were to sweep Mississippi State and Georgia, they'd be 14 and 10. That's that's right. That's literally right in the hosting picture. You don't even have um, to sweep. If you win two out of three no, from I'm both. Just saying, I'm just saying best case scenario. They just absolutely dominate where you're just like, all right, yeah, time mm-hmm. to put them back. But if they go two and three, two and three, four and two, that's 12 and 12. Mm-hmm. You're right there. I mean, you're pretty close. You're, you're, I mean, honestly, you're probably in <laughs> on the right side of that debate. And let me add one more thing here. Nobody else wants to host this year. At once, once a team gets in the top 15 or like top 10, they lose their weekend series. It, it's, it happened, I think, five times this week where um, a team broke into the top 25 and then immediately got swept. So, like, nobody else wants it. So, like, Tennessee, sure, you, you still have a shot. Just finish the year, like, super strong. Hey, what, what, the, hear me out here. Hear me out here. Let's say Vanderbilt, let's say Kentucky beat Vanderbilt two out of three, 13 and eight, 14 and seven, Tennessee sweeps. They're, they'll end up being three games back of Vanderbilt if Kentucky wins the series, okay? And then let's say Vandy, if South, if Tennessee were to sweep the next two weekends, they would be like a game or two out of first place in the SEC. Wait, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not trying to get on the hype train here over over hype and get way too head forward, but I think Tennessee's actually not in a terrible place right now. Hey, it's the hot, cold, hot theory. This is the same I point mean, in the season if, last year when Ole Miss turned it around. If Tennessee, if hey, li- their, cold, their cold streak is over and they start heating up again, Watch out. Hey, same thing for Georgia, too. Holy crap. Georgia looked unbeatable this weekend against Arkansas. Like, those two teams right now I have circled in red ink um, because you could – I think you can get each of them, like, very high odds to win the College World Series. We saw Ole Miss do it last year this exact week. They turned it around. You know what? Let me pull up. Let me pull up Ole Miss 2022. We'll say when we get into SEC talk, we'll get back into this because I want to keep moving forward. Patreon question. I don't want to just right. start rambling on about SEC okay. right now. All right. This next one comes from Matt Mort. Uh, wow. Mortka. M-O-R-T-K-A. Matt Mortka. So two questions here. First one. I love this question. Um, who would you rather be right now? A team that is currently in position to host or a team who is currently or who currently sits in in a chance to host but wouldn't be if the season ended today. Listen, I have a very easy answer here. 
you want to be a team that is already in position to host as of right now, if the season ended today, because the, the way that the committee works is it's like recency bias. And, and so if you're not in position to host four weeks left in the season, they might overlook you and you really have to do a, like a damn good job the, the last four weeks to even get their attention. It, it's almost like sometimes a committee decides two or three weeks before the selection show who the 16 hosts are going to be because sometimes you scratch your head and you're like, yeah, what the heck? Like, why is TCU hosting when they finish the year two and seven? And uh, TCU never did that. That's just the first team that came to my head. But I, the earlier that you can put a good like taste in the committee's mouth, the better. Because sometimes it feels like they already decide with with few weeks left in the season. Oklahoma is no, a good no. example. Oklahoma is a good example from last year. They did everything that they could the last three three weeks of the season. They even won the Big Twelve tournament, and they didn't even get to host a regional. And you're like, wow, that sucks. Let me counter. Let me counter with this. What if you're a team that plays really well all year? Drop your first two conference series the last two weekends of the year, and there's another team that's absolutely scorching hot at the end of the year. The committee might get, go recency bias and give the other team the nod just because they're scorching hot to end the year, while the other team is kind of cooling off. There, there, it happens all. It happens a lot. So, personally, I would. If you're depend if I'm not a friend if the season ended today and I'm projected 12 through 16 seed, I would just almost rather be on the outside looking in the last couple of weeks and just just go scorched earth. Yeah. Or I would rather be a national seed projected projected national seed of the season ended today. Does that makes sense. I either want to be way up there or just outside of it. I don't want to be in that 12 to 16 range because. It, there's too much pressure to lose it, and you have to play. You have to play just as well the first forty games and the last sixteen games to keep it, which is why right. it's so difficult to host. So, I would rather be top eight or seventeen through twenty-five. Right. That's. I mean, that's a good counterpoint there. Um, the second question that Matt has for us is, what is the best baseball state? You take the top three teams only, and one of those three teams has to be a mid-major. Um, off the top of my head, I, you have to go to like North Carolina or South Carolina. Right. And, um, I, my answer might be South Carolina. You get South Carolina, coastal Carolina and Clemson, I guess would be the other team, which Clemson's oh, playing good North ball right Carolina. now. What about North Carolina, Wake Forest, Duke and East Carolina? That's, that's what oh. I was going to say. That's another really good one too. Wake Forest, North Carolina, East Carolina, Wake Forest. Um, or you could even do. So, I mean, Missis Mississippi is usually the answer, but this year, not so much. North Carolina, Stanford, UCLA, Stanford, Arizona State, Stanford, USC, Stanford, UCLA, Stanford, and whoever. Did, did you just say Stanford, Stanford Arizona State? State? I'm just I'm just saying two of the top Californias. I mean, oh my god. Yeah, that was <laughs> you idiot. That was really stupid. That was really stupid. I mean, who knows? Um, it's not confirmed. I mean, Arizona State might be based out of California. I don't know. 
Um, I'm just going to go ahead and just stop myself there. Um, Stanford, and, Stanford and UCLA or whoever. I mean, UCLA probably not one of the best power five teams right now, but Stanford, whoever, and Cal State Fullerton. But then again, what if you did Indiana? Somebody you could do Indiana you could do State, Indiana. Be, you could do Indiana Purdue. Oh no, no, here we go. How about this? Indiana, Notre Dame, and Indiana State. That's up there. But I think I still get you got to, I think it's North Carolina, South Carolina right now. I think so too. I mean, Texas maybe. Um what about Tennessee? Bandy, Tennessee, and who Memphis? No, it wouldn't be Memphis. <laughs> yeah, no, Tennessee doesn't. Tennessee is not it. it was, Oklahoma, I mean, you could South do Carolina, South Carolina. Maybe it's, it's North Carolina, dude. It has to be, right? Either North Carolina or South Carolina would be my answer. Um, what about Florida? Miami, Florida, and Florida Gulf Coast? Possibly. But no, it's like not even close to South Carolina or North Carolina. Texas, no. A&M, Texas, no. Texas Tech, You could no. do like A&M, Texas Tech, Dallas Baptist, or like Texas. Texas, Texas A&M, Dallas Baptist. Or like UTSA is up there too, really. That's two mid-majors. Um... Isn't Campbell in North Carolina too? No. Campbell's in North Carolina too. Yep, I know. But you can only have one. So you take, I mean, you, I guess you take Campbell or East Carolina and pair it up with Wake Forest and whoever else, NC State, Duke, North Carolina. There's probably somebody out there like screaming in their headset, like, you're forgetting this state. You're forgetting. I, I can't think of any more. I'm sorry. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Oral Robert. I already said that. What? I already said that, and that's that. That doesn't compete with North Carolina or South Carolina. Anyways, let's go to the next question here. We have Heath Butler said thoughts on the Gamecocks after this weekend. Uh, I think they're a pretty average team. Um, I'm not really impressed with with the Gamecocks. I mean, would they do just like sweep like a Florida dude, team dude, without dude, their closer? Dude, dude, dude. Stop, stop. You're being trying to be sarcastic right now is not even funny because it sounds that stupid. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Clearly. Like, I was it, trying to sound that stupid. Was, that was so bad. That wasn't even funny. How how like stupid, stupid. Hey, hey don't don't try to make me feel stupid after you just said Arizona State was in California. No, nope, it doesn't count. I don't remember. I don't know what you're talking about. All right. Um, no, here my, my honest thoughts. When South Carolina doesn't beat themselves, they're the best team in the country. Last weekend, they lost two out of three to Vanderbilt, but I, I think they beat themselves for the most part. There was errors and a lot of walks, hit by pitches. Umpires weren't great. But this weekend, like when, when South Carolina was playing at Founders Park, they might be the best team in the country. I mean, they, they probably are. It's like them and LSU, and we got robbed of a game three over LSU with them. They're they're a scary they, scary team. They're they're a Gavin Dugas Grand Slam away from being no doubt about it best team in the country. Right. I mean, if Gavin Dugas, I mean, of course it's a big if, but if Dugas doesn't hit that Grand Slam and he has a warning track fly out, South Carolina takes that series two zero, and they're no question about it best team in the country. And we now looking back on it, that game three. 
is monumentally monumental, and it is a it is a crime against college baseball. I'm going to spin zone this. I'm going to spin. The, I'm going to spin this around. I'm glad actually that there is no there wasn't a game three because it just builds up the hype that when these two teams play each other in the postseason, if they do, you 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 finally get that that clearance. You get the closure. Wow, here we go in meaningful game three. So, um, but I mean, all in all, I mean, there's nothing to hate about South Carolina. They played flawless this weekend against Florida, and uh, I came away super impressed. Um, next yeah, question. I want to say this real quick. I just want to say LSU on paper is the best team in the country in terms of just star power, lineup, yada, yada. But if you really want to get down to the nitty-gritty of it, resume and everything, I think South Carolina is the better team. Their, their offense is, can compete with LSU. South Carolina's pitching had the edge over LSU pitching. Outside of Friday night, Paul scheme. Bullpen work is deeper for South Carolina. They have a better closer. They have a better Sunday guy for, for in terms of just pure result base. Can LSU roll out three starters that can compete with South Carolina's three starters when both teams are fully healthy? Absolutely. But you, we can't play that game. So I want to say there's a 1A and 1B with South Carolina taking the 1A because their resume is better. They just have more quad one win. They have a higher RPI. That's it. But on paper, they, they're right there with LSU. Yeah, and I would even throw Wake Forest in there as well. I'm still a big believer in them. They uh, After getting beat and shut out on Friday, Wake Forest outscored Pitt something like 40-5 to five the next two, two games. And uh, <laughs> yeah. Wake Forest has that star power too. So anyways. Um, they do. Next question here we have from Adam Sturm. Is TCU the worst team in the Big 12, or does Baylor still hold that crown? Listen, Baylor still – I think Baylor still is the worst team in the Big 12. Maybe Kansas. But, man, dude, TCU – Wait, wait. You think TCU is at the bottom possibly? Dude, they looked bad this weekend. Okay, you cannot put TCU in the same conversation as Kansas and Baylor. I'm sorry, that's disrespectful. Dude, is it though? I mean, dude, I'm sorry, but is it though, Dimitri? You take the names off the jerseys, dude. Just... Dude, TCU absolutely molly whooped Kansas. Like, don't even they, they they absolutely swept the shit out of them earlier this year. Okay, that's fair. TCU's playing yeah, bad right now, though. TCU five straight losses for TCU, seven and eight in the Big Twelve. Um, they have a lot. They have a lot. They have a lot of work there to be done. Now, hey, I want to say something funny that I saw on Twitter today. So TCU refused to post the final score when they got run ruled by West Virginia. And my boy JD Sailors, who's a diehard TCU fan, Lupton Drinking Club, like has a podcast. Um, he called him out. Like he called out his own favorite team and was like, Are you guys gonna post the final score or not? And then he like quote tweeted him. And said something like, "The final score was seventeen to seven. You guys are too scared to post it, but I'll I'll post it." It was the funniest thing ever. It was it was basically one of TCU's biggest fans just commenting on the Twitter account from TCU, like, "Hey, don't be scared. Like, just post it. Don't shy away from it." I thought it was hilarious. Um, all right. Last, uh, actually, I think this is the last Patreon question here. It's from Jim McDonald. 
much to blame for the uptick in runs scored this year. The strike zone is smaller and forcing pitchers to throw down the heart of the plate. Yes and no, Jim. I, I noticed it for the first time about three weeks ago. This was uh, – I noticed it about three weeks ago. I was like, you know what? All these games that I'm watching, umpires are squeezing more than they used to because really the kind of cliche, th- cliche thing in college baseball is um, like the umpires are bad and the strike zones are bad as in like too big, right? Like we're all, we're all used to huge strike zones, you know, two, two inches off the plate, up and down, left and right. It doesn't matter. If the catcher catches it in the spot, they're going to call it Greg Maddox style. And, and this year it's like, whoa, that pitch looked good. Like, where was it? And, um, and yeah, I mean, for the most part, umpires are squeezing it a little bit more. And I don't blame the umpires because now that every team basically has a Yacker Tech or a Trackman or, um, you know, Rap Soto, they have an iPad that they can see where the pitch crossed. And, like, umpires are a little bit more intimidated by that, I think. They're trying to, trying to call it a little bit more tighter. Um, now, I st- I'm still a big believer that the reason why there's an uptick of runs is for two reasons. One, I think the bats and the balls are both both juiced. I think both the bats and the balls are way better than what we used five years ago when we played Dimitri. And um, that's going to that's gonna have more runs. But another thing is pitchers aren't pitching anymore. They're just throwing. Everybody's falling in love with spin rate and velocity. And when you're not pitching and you're not mixing in, uh, you know, two, three different pitches for strikes and you're just throwing it over the middle part of the plate, that alone is going to just have more balls barreled and, and more extra base hits. So, yeah, I mean, I think I think it's a combination of a lot of things. I think the art of pitching has lost its luster in terms of when, like, for 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 me personally, for example, the joy of pitching is being able to challenge a hitter outside the strike zone. When you can beat a hitter outside the zone. It's really good because, like, if, like if I go fastball inside and I beat them, they foul it off or they take it because they don't like it, and then you go slider away, or if you double up on that fastball, it's a game within the game. And I think pitchers nowadays are just looking at their wrist; they see the pitch and they just throw it rather than zoning in on the catcher's sign and visualizing the pitch before they throw it. it I'm telling you, I think it's, it changes the mindset of pitchers in the ambition and the will to throw a pitch because if you see a catcher put down a three and you're just like nope i want fastball in and you just keep shaking until you get it versus just looking at a watch or a wristband thing okay pitch get the ball get on the rubber come set throw the pitch there's no visualization there's no mental you're not an artist anymore you're not doing art like you're just following orders like, yeah, it's almost too robotic. And I think pitchers are losing the – because when you zone in on a catcher giving you signs, you visualize where they are in the plate. You visualize everything as you're coming set. I'm just closing my eyes. You're visualizing it. Watch. Come set, and I just pitch the ball. It takes away the – takes away the – got to pitch with conviction. That's what it is. And if, if you don't have that conviction and you're just going off of what a wristband said – it, it, it's really different. I, I'm not saying the wristbands are the worst thing ever, but I think they have a bigger impact than people realize. That's yeah. just my opinion. 
That's a really good point. I'm like really glad you said that. I've never even thought of it that way. But you, you brought up really good points. You, you, the pitchers aren't being creative anymore. You know, it's just a straight, like, yep, this is what I'm going to throw. I have to throw it here because I have a 20-second pitch clock and there's no time for me to shake. I'm just going to grip it and rip it, baby. So um, good question there, Jim. I think there's a lot to be said about that topic, and maybe one day we'll cover it a little bit more. But, I mean, you guys, I mean, you're right. Like, there's something there's something triggering more runs being scored, more extra base hits, and those type of things. So, um, all right. Let me make sure there's no more Patreon questions here. I, I think we're done. If there was more, I'm sorry. We'll get to them. Uh, just let us know if we missed your question. We'll get to them next episode. And um, let's go ahead and just recap the weekend here, dude. It was a... Um, I don't even know how to put it, to be honest. Surprising. The bottom beat the, bottom beat the top. Is that a For good way to put it? For the most part. And then like some of the top separated themselves from the rest. If you So I tweeted this out from the 11.7 account. I was going through conference standings on Warren Nolan. There's a way you can just scroll. It has all the conference standings just right there on one page. Really convenient. And you're, when you look at some of the conferences – you have maybe one team at the top that's kind of separated themselves, but two through eight, like Wake right, Forest, like Wake Forest. But then you look two through eight, and you're like, oh my god, these games, like two through eight, separated by one game or one and a half games, and that's incredible. Like that is what this sport needs. We need every single game to matter down the stretch, not only for conference tournament seating purposes, but for you know at large berths for national seeds, for regional hosts. And when a team like Clemson can go into NC State and resurrect their season, or Tennessee, for example, like when those teams can go on the road, uh, or not, sorry, not on the road, but go into a weekend and sweep and go from 5 and 10 in their conference to 8 and 10, like they're right back in the thick of things. And it was good because it happened all across the country this week. And... Um, I mean, I was I was blown away by how this week shook out because it was uh, something nobody could have ever, ever expected. Yeah, no, I mean, the Big 12, one, two, three, four, five. The, thick, the difference between first place and sixth place right now is two and I know, and, and Oklahoma is a big reason um, of that. Oklahoma was four and eight in Big 12 play going in on the road to Texas who was in first place at the time, they sweep Texas and, and outplay them. Like, Oklahoma was a better team by far this weekend. And now Texas is eight and seven in fourth place and Oklahoma is seven and eight in sixth place, only two and a half back from first place. And, and like, you're like, wow, like things can happen really quick in this sport. Like things can change really quick. Yeah. Yeah, we, yeah. I mean, another. I mean, another example: the American Athletic, the AAC, Wichita State and Houston tied for first. East Carolina one back. South Florida two back. UCF three back. In one weekend, that can change again. UCF can be tied for first, for example, if everything were to fall in a perfect yeah. place. But yeah, I so mean, like, I'm trying to so let's talk about the American here, real quick. Tulane. They're tied for fifth place. So there's eight teams in the American Athletic Conference. Memphis is by themselves at four and eight in last place. 
but even like the teams tied for second to last UCF Cincinnati and Tulane five and seven on the year only three games back from first place and and you're like wow that's one good week and and you're right back in it you go on the road and sweep Wichita State you're tied with them you're eight and seven tied with them so there's a lot to be said about conferences like this um really separating first and second to last by three games. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, th- I mean, the big East, Davier first place, UConn and Creighton tied for second. Just another conference where anything can happen. The final three weeks, um, big 10, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. The difference between first, first place and eighth place, Two and a half. Games. That that's crazy that's too. Crazy to and me. and you have four teams tied for fourth place at seven and five, and it's Iowa, Michigan State, Rutgers, and Nebraska, all for the tournament. They could even win the Big Twelve or sorry, Big Ten regular season. Uh, it, it's just cool to see. Like it, it's cool to see these teams like Michigan and Michigan State still right there, um, battling for a Big Ten championship. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I I do think we're starting to see the good teams on the top and the bottom teams on the bottom in the Big Ten. Indiana, Maryland, Michigan, Iowa are probably your four best teams. Maybe Nebraska, it, it depends. But for the most part, those are your yeah. four best teams. And um, one more thing I want to say about conference standings here, and then we'll we'll kind of recap the big moments from the weekend after this. But the SEC right now, this is this is where. I think the most shake like the most shakeup happened because you had teams like LSU and South Carolina really like separate themselves from the pack. Like I know Vanderbilt's only a half game out of South Carolina and they have the tiebreaker, but South Carolina is trending up right now. Vanderbilt trending down. Um, but really what intrigues me is teams that are 11 and seven down to seven and 11. So you have Kentucky and Florida at seven or 11 and seven. Tennessee eight and ten, Georgia at seven and eleven, and then um, Arkansas eleven and seven, Alabama A and M nine and nine, Auburn seven and eleven. Like I know that there's a four game difference between eleven and seven and seven and eleven, but like somebody's got to win these games. Somebody's got to win these series. You could very well like flip your season in just like two weekends if you're an Auburn or a Georgia, a Tennessee, a Texas A and M. And, and put yourself in that upper tier. Because I consider upper tier the top three teams or top four teams in a conference like the SEC. And you have three of them solidified, but there's still room for one more. Like, who's it going to be? Yeah. Hey, speaking of conference, two more conferences I have on my thing. In the, in the Maction, in the Mid-American. Kent State, Ball State, Central Michigan, and Ohio are all tied for first place at 13 and 5. Four teams are tied for first. How many more games do they have left? Because this is going to be. I mean, I'm assuming, I'm assuming nine. Um, they have three, six, 12. Yeah, they have nine left. Well, some teams have 12. I just looked at Kent State. They have nine left. So there are 27 games in that conference. How does. No, but that doesn't matter. That doesn't add up. They all have the same record. They're all 13 and 5. I know, but Kent State, I'm looking right now. Three against Ohio, three against Western Michigan, three. three. 
it ref- it, I just refreshed it. There was a series missing. Yes, yeah, 12, 12. Right. Minutes. So these last 12 games are going to separate Kent State, Ball State, Central Michigan, and Ohio. Um, this is a one-bid league. And, and I know the regular season doesn't say who goes to the tournament, but you want to get that number one seed in your conference tournament, make your road a little bit easier. And, uh, and obviously, just winning regular season conference championship does mean something. Uh, I did it twice at Mercer. I have two rings that they provided us. You, you take pride in a regular season just because it's a longer season. Um, you have to maintain good baseball all year. Regular season is way harder. Win a regular season tournament. You're right. It's way harder. Hey, Conference USA, how about Dallas Baptist? 15-3, first place in the Conference USA, half game in front of It's UCSA. a two-man race there. I mean – I know Charlotte's kind of put themselves in the picture, but it's a two it's a two team race, UTSA and Dallas Baptist, and I'm I'm here for it because they play each other two weeks, and uh, dude, Dallas Baptist, like if you're in Dallas, I mean, sorry, if you if you are a Dallas Baptist player, like there is no reason why you can't host a regional. You're, you've put yourself in position this far into the season, just finish strong. And uh, you have a really good chance to host a regional, which is a really big accomplishment. Yeah, I mean, it's not over yet. Dallas Baptist didn't definitely play their way into hosting a regional. Hey, Sunbelt, Coastal, two-game lead in first place over Southern Miss. Troy, Old Dominion, Texas State, Louisiana, Georgia Southern, all tied That's crazy. Three games back. One, two, three, four, five teams tied for third place. Troy, Old Dominion, Texas State, Louisiana, and Georgia Southern. You're right. They're all 10 and 8. And then Southern Miss, 11 and 7. You know, I'm really proud of Troy because, and I do want to give the Troy Trojans a shout out here. They were one of the last teams remaining undefeated this year. I think they, they were the third, like third to last team to lose a game this year. And after that, I completely wrote them off. I did not see them as a threat. I thought, like, you know what? They were just hot to start the year. They're going to end up finishing, like, in ninth place in the Sun Belt. You, 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 know what it, you know what did it? You know what did them in? They lost those two games against Florida Gulf Coast, and then they beat UCF on the road, and we're like, um, okay, maybe maybe they're pretty good. And then they got swept by Georgia State. And That's when I wrote them off, too. You're right. Like, okay. Thanks for reminding me. When they got swept by Georgia State, I was like, they're not going to be a threat. They're going to finish in the lower half of the conference. But Troy has put themselves at a 28-13 and 13 record, 33 RPI, and 10-8 and eight in the Sun Belt, and, and they just had a huge series win. Actually, back-to-back huge series wins. Dude, I would love to see Troy in a regional. It's been a long time. It, it's been maybe at least like five, six years since Troy's been to a regional. And uh, and I I'll think right the now. Sun Belt is guaranteed to get three teams in. Troy's last postseason appearance was 2018. 2018, okay. I can't even picture them in a regional. But I, yeah. anyways, I just wanted to say I was I was proud of the Troy Trojans. I have no ties to their university. I don't know a single coach or player on their team, but that's a team that's like fun to root for. So if you don't have a team or maybe your team has already been like pretty much eliminated from, you know, postseason, like start rooting for the Troy Trojans. Like they have a lot of fight and um, good, good, solid team there. 
Hey, here's a question for you. Let's say you're an old, let's just say, because somebody asked this on Twitter. They said, I'm an old Miss fan. They're pretty much done. I'm looking for a team to root for in the postseason. Pretend you're an old Miss fan. Who would you root for? Who who would be your adopted? Well, so team? let me set some guidelines here. You you absolutely. The guideline is you cannot be a fan of another cannot SEC be a fan team. of another SEC team. You cannot be a fan of Southern Miss. Um, other other than that, I think everybody else is play like you, you can play with any other team. Personally, I who I would, would take a, a team. So another guideline is like they have to be a legitimate Omaha contender because you want to have either. No, they don't. They no, no. I, I see. I think it has to be an Omaha contender because you either want to celebrate when they get to Omaha and they win a super regional, or you want your heart ripped out in a super regional, um, or or like a regional. <laughs> like you want to you want to be fully invested and either celebrate or just like there's there's something about having your team lose that like sometimes it feels good because like your heart gets ripped out and nothing matters anymore. And you're just like depressed on the couch for a week. Like that actually is what makes sports fans so great. So I think it has to be a a team that is maybe a step away from Omaha. I would look at a team like East Carolina would be a fun team to root for. What about Wake Forest? Mm, I'm going to say no on Wake Forest. If they don't make Omaha, their your heart is ripped out. Tennessee's heart was literally snatched from them by Notre That's Dame. Fair. That's fair. I, see, I would take a step below Wake Forest. I would either take a really good Big Ten team like Indiana, or I would take a mid-major like a Cal State Fullerton or an East Carolina, someone that you want to see. A Dallas Baptist would be good. UTSA would be really fun. Um, Campbell. Yeah, you know what, dude? I'm I'm a spin zone. This are there too many people rooting for Campbell right now? I I know. Oh, dude, the, the wagon, wagon is full. full. Like I would fade I, if if I'm new and like trying to pick a new favorite team. You don't want to be the 100th person in a wagon because everybody else already kind of knows each other. Everybody's already like been rooting for this team for a year or two, uh, or maybe three years. But I would pick a different team other than Campbell. Now I'm fully on the Campbell wagon. Like I love Campbell. I, I'm rooting for them to make it to Omaha. But somebody new, like you got to take a team that's one step away from Omaha that maybe isn't full on the bandwagon. Yeah. UConn, UConn wouldn't be a bad one. They 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 almost tasted. Omaha yeah, UConn last would be fun. Even like a Kansas State. Like just because Kansas State's or or West Virginia, they're like two teams that could win the Big Twelve this year and best teams that they've had in a while. Dude, ew! I, why would you jump on the Kansas State bandwagon? That's a Wait, terrible why? choice. They just won a series what? at UC Irvine. No, that's a terrible choice. That is not a fun team to pick. Uh, yeah, it is. I mean, can you give me three like like why Kansas State? That's not a fun, unique team. I I don't think I would rather I would rather roll with like Indiana or something if you're going to take a Power Five team like that. Oh, okay, that's fair. What what about West Virginia or Iowa? I'd rather be on the Iowa bandwagon than the Kansas State bandwagon. They have a bonafide Friday night guy. They're not a college baseball power. 
if they make it to Omaha, that's an unbelievable story. Kansas State, would you be like, oh, cool, Kansas State? Wait, what, dude? That's I think Kansas opinion. State, if they made it to Omaha, would be like the fan favorites there. They're not too far from Omaha. Like they, the fans would travel. No, I know. And they've never been. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not. I'm not a fan of the idea of, of Kansas State. Well, if there's any Kansas State listeners out there, just know I'm on your side, and Dimitri hates your team. Uh yep, you're right. I I hate your team. Oops. <laughs> um, all right. So let's do this here now. Let's let's dive into some of the big moments that happened this weekend. And honestly, I don't know where to start because, like, naturally, I want to start with Georgia. And what they did to Arkansas this weekend, um, Georgia, they're a funny team. I'm gonna, I'm gonna coin the phrase that Georgia is just a funny team because they've blown so many leads in the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning this year. I think they're up to six, where they had a lead and then the bullpen just blew it. And uh, they also have like four, I think four wins this year and then eighth or ninth inning where they put up a crooked number to take the lead. They did it to Florida on Friday night last weekend where they put up a seven spot, I think it was. And they did the same thing on yesterday to to Arkansas. They're just a really funny team because when it comes to like crunch time, you don't know what you're going to get. If they have a lead, they're probably going to blow it. If they're losing, they're probably going to take the lead. Um, And that's a fun team to root for. I know they're in the SEC, but like, I'm kind of getting on this Georgia bandwagon because they're young, uh, they're fun, and uh, just they're a roll of the dice. And um, do you remember? Do you remember when I said I like this Georgia team this year, early in the year? Yeah, oh yeah, I remember. I thought Georgia was going to be good this year, and then I was like, "Wait a minute! Wow, I, I'm wrong. Like they're playing really bad." And now they're come. They're finally starting to play like the Georgia team I thought they were going to be. Like, could they have a lot of? They might not have been the best team, but they have a lot of like pro. pro they have a lot of pro mm-hmm. guys. They have a lot of prospects, guys that are like draft very, very draftable. And I was like, when you have that many guys that are pro prospects, the guys that can play in the next level, you have to be a pretty good team. So I'm, I'm not. I'm not surprised that they're finally starting to play like they. Yeah, and you know who I feel sorry for is Charlie Condon because he is having one of the best freshman seasons of all time, like right up there with Tommy White's last season um, and and a few others. But he's getting completely overshadowed by Ethan Petrie of South Carolina, like who's going to win the freshman of the year this year. Um, It it reminds me of McGuire and Sosa, 1998. They just keep going back and forth with home runs and – Right now, Ethan Petrie's having the better season, but it's not by much. It, it, it's really not. And I feel bad for him because he's not getting the national spotlight that Petrie's getting, but Petrie's earned every bit of it because and he's doing it off like like big moments, big pitchers. I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's McGuire Sosa 98 all over again. Just to put this in perspective, Charlie Condon is hitting 422 on the year, 18 home runs, 55 RBI with a 1368 OPS. Those are absurd numbers. That is like <laughs> almost SEC player of the year. That's Golden Spikes That's like numbers. Really, really good. Petri, 427, so literally five points higher than Charlie Condon, 1389 OPS. 
21 points higher in the OPF, which is practically nothing. Two more home runs, nine more RBIs. So Petri is just literally a, a tick above Comden, but you would feel like Petri is schooling him, but it's really not that far apart. It is really mm-hmm. close. Like the SEC Freshman of the Year award could almost be the player right. of the year. Um, I really like Comden's swing. I think he's a major leaguer. He has just a, like such a simple swing that's so powerful. I think he hit one 480 feet to dead center um, yesterday. And, I mean, that's going to play, man. I know he's a redshirt freshman, so next year he's draft eligible, I believe. But, I mean, dude, what a, what a freaking freshman class, like, all across the country. There's a lot of freshmen out there that are doing big things. Um, but, I mean, I wanted to start with, with this Georgia team just because – they were dead. Like they were going to miss Hoover going into this weekend. If they get swept by Arkansas, which like on paper, they should have, um, you, you can just pack it up. Like coach Strickland's probably getting fired and um, you're just going to move on and, and just try to rebuild the program. But now they have a little bit of 2022 Ole Miss in their, in their blood. I mean, they, they go from what was it? Four and 11 to seven and 11 this weekend in conference. And like, Right in the thick of things. Yes, Ben, that's really good math. You know that's what? Somebody really tweeted. Somebody tweeted that right at me um, about doing math or something earlier. That was funny. <laughs> but I mean, the main thing is Georgia has an 18 RPI, which, I mean, you can't leave a team with an 18 RPI out of the tournament. So there's that. Uh, still a lot of ball to be played, but I, I like this Georgia team a lot. I think uh, they're better than what people think. I think I think I mean dude, we we do this every year. Oh my god, the SEC is so good. Of course it's so good. They're the best conference in the country every year in and year out. Which is why the national champion has come from the SEC what three years in a row now? Um no two. Two three out of the last four. Right? Ole Miss, Mississippi State. Miss, Mississippi State. And then off a year and then Vanderbilt twenty nineteen. Yep, yeah, 2018 yeah, yeah, yeah. Oregon yeah, yeah. State. So three of the last well, hey, in 2018, Arkansas should have won it. They, they dropped a fly ball um, and lost it. So there's yep. that. Yep. So three of the last four last year was literally the SEC West in the Hoover, the SEC West Invitational in Omaha, Nebraska. So, um, yeah, I mean, Hoover is going to be loaded again. Whoever wins that tournament. I mean, if you win Hoover, I think that's deserved the ring in itself. Because I mean, that is a that's oh, that's, that's that's harder than mm-hmm. than a regional. Um, yeah, I think um, Georgia this weekend really just turned their season around big time. Now the guy you're walking around that clubhouse like, okay, now we really have something to play for. We're back in this mix. We're back in the thick of things. This season just got a little more important, which is it, it, it's, it's huge. When you roll up into practice Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, your midweek game, whatever, your confidence back, your motivation is, is even higher. You're getting that weight room. You're excited to rep out eight. You're excited to rep out 10 because you feel excited again. You feel energy. You feel revived after a big weekend like that. Yeah, I mean, that same thing happened to us when I was playing. Like middle of the season – big sweep and you're like oh wow like this is what it's like to play good baseball i want to do this every week i don't want to mess this up um and dude another team that was similar to georgia going into the weekend was duke 
from the ACC. Big home series um, against one of the top teams in the conference in Louisville. And Duke showed me a lot, not only because they swept the series, but how they swept the series. Friday night, uh, Alex Mooney hits a walk-off Grand Slam, like pimps it and just like looked like a Major League Baseball player running around the bases. Like he was just that locked in. And they come back and walk it off the next day. And then today they scored three runs, I think, in the eighth inning to take the lead, bottom of the eighth. Yeah, the and, eight. they, and they sweep Louisville. And now you're looking at Duke's resume, and you're like, oh, my God. Like If the season ended today, there's a, there's a regional being hosted in Durham, 100%. And that's a team that came out of the, kind of the basement of the ACC uh, from a few weeks ago. And, and Duke did the same thing in 2019 when they rattled off, I think, 19 straight wins to end the regular season, won the ACC tournament. So – like they, they have a history of playing good second half baseball. Like it, it is absolutely. If you're if you're Louisville, you're heartbroken right now. You are absolutely mm-hmm. shattered into a million. And, and that's the difference between Arkansas and Louisville. I think Arkansas, this was more of a wake up call. Like they'll be fine. They went down. They they got like Arkansas had like three or four major players injured this weekend. They were just trying to get out of Athens alive. Louisville, I mean. You went from eight and seven in second place in the Atlantic and the ACC to eight and ten in fifth place, dude. Your season like just changed real quick for the worse. For for Louisville, and Louisville outplayed them for like ninety percent of the weekend, and they got swept. I mean, yeah, they're one and five in their last six ACC games, but they don't get any break. They get Miami coming to town this weekend. Clemson on the road, Virginia on the road, home versus Florida State. This season can spiral out of control real quick if they don't respawn next weekend against Miami. Yeah. Um, I mean, their season can get out of control real fast, so I'm really interested to see how they respond. The whole ACC was like a, a shock to me this weekend because Boston College sweeps, Notre Dame sweeps, Clemson sweeps, Duke sweeps. And you're like, what the heck is going on here? Like, those were three Boston College, Notre Dame, Clemson, and Duke were four teams that they weren't written off, but they weren't taken seriously. Um, you know, they were all they were all probably going to be a two seed, a three seed, or maybe even left out of the tournament going into this weekend. And like, they're, they're all Virginia? just is Virginia fraudulent, or is Virginia just going through their cold spell right now? Yeah, Virginia is a dangerous team because they're fitting the hot, cold, hot theory to a T. They they were untouchable. A little late, a little late on the cold part. Uh, they can heat back up. Like they're not going to miss the tournament. They no, can heat but, back up. No, they could they could stumble their way into the postseason and be one of those teams that just gets their ass kicked on regional weekend. True, but you know I, I still, mean, you know, yeah, they're but I still. Good I still like their team a lot, though. They're they're very veteran led. I do too. I do too. But you know how it is. The momentum is everything when you hit postseason play. If Virginia doesn't heat up again real quick, they could stumble into regional and go, and go two and barbecue. You can yeah. totally can see it happening. But I, I think really they, I, I think they have four starters that were starters on that 2021 team that made it to Omaha. So like they have the experience. They have the draft prospects. They'll be fine. They're they're just cold right now. Back to back series losses in the ACC. Um, but I mean, really, 
I, I give more credit to Notre Dame than take away from Virginia. Notre Dame defended their home field and they were launching balls out of their stadium. Like I think they hit double digit home runs this weekend. Um, and Notre Dame is an interesting team to me because we haven't seen too much of them. They play like weird days of the week sometimes and like weird times like throughout the day. They kind of just get lost in the in the shuffle. This was the first week I watched them for more than 10 minutes, and, and I, I spent a good time watching them today. They they actually have – like that team that Link Jarrett built, that program that they built, is still there. Like the foundation is still there. And um, they're 11-10 and 10 in ACC play, 36 RPI. I mean, that's a solid two seed right there. Yep. So we'll see. I mean, hey – I, I, if you guys go back on the website and look at my preseason thing, okay, I was wrong about Florida State. I thought they would be better than they are. But I said Clemson was going to struggle most of the year, but I think they were going to figure out towards the end of the year and they were going to make the tournament. Well, yeah, they were they were a really young team. They are a young team that's, like, really talented. I, I, my preseason – so I did a preseason um, regional projection that I posted on Twitter in January. I had Clemson hosting a regional – now they're not going to get there. I, I mean, it would be a miracle for them to, but like they they are turning into the team that I thought they would be. Um, in the fact that they're they're big physical guys, like their team, like their team strength is off the charts. I think they have just some men, like grown men on their team, and uh, like their offense right now is clicking. And I, you know what, I was so wrong. I just went pulled my article up. I said. Backage will be bringing the energy and talent back to Clemson, which they have sorely missed out of late. Clemson will push for the Atlantic title right out of the gate. That's wrong. I mean, there's six games out of Wake Forest. Yeah, they ain't pushing for no Atlantic title right out of the gate. That's wrong. So, never mind. I was wrong. But, you know, they are a scary team in the postseason because we've talked about this before on the podcast. There are certain teams that are going to get better as the year goes on. And, you know, with just more experience, more team chemistry – you know, buying into the coaching program and stuff like that. I mean, they fit that. Yep. They fit that mold perfectly. A team that's just is starting to play better as the year goes on. And remember, they beat South Carolina on a Friday night and almost beat them on Saturday to win the series. So the talent's there for Clemson. Um, let's just see how they finish up the year. Yeah, yeah. Um, what else you got on the uh, on the on the um, to do list? Oh man, we got a lot left here. Um, we, we already kind of talked about Tennessee, but I thought they were a big winner of the weekend, if not maybe the biggest. But I wanted to actually pull this up earlier. I didn't do it. I'm pulling it up right now. But what is Tennessee's home record versus away record? Because they play just so much better at Lindsey Nelson than they do on the road. They are 24-4 and four at home and 1-9 and nine on the road, Dimitri. That's not good. That's bad. That's not, that, that's not. It's like not not good. It's terrible. It's abysmal. It's bad. Like if I there's will, a team, if say, there's a team that needs to host a regional, it's Tennessee. <laughs> they played at LSU. They played at Arkansas. They played at Missouri. Those are three tough series. They played on the road, Arizona Grand Canyon, UC San Diego to open the year. Now, I'm not. I'm not excusing a one and seven record, but it is a tough. 10 game it is but you got to win those games to be a national championship contender you got to be better than one and nine um yep but 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 my point my point what i was going to get to is 
they're a team that needs energy. Like last year, they were able to create their own energy with the swagger that they brought to the field every single day with the bad boys of college baseball motto that they had. This year, they're younger, they're less experienced, and they feed off that home crowd. Like They need the crowd there to get energy, and that's what I noticed this weekend. They came ready to play. There were several times where I thought Vanderbilt needed to be unplugged and reset and plugged back in or like, you know, take the batteries out, put them back in because they looked dead. There was no fight in, in, in Vanderbilt, and Tennessee won all the big moments. You go back to Friday's game, uh, late in the game, they hit two solo home or Tennessee hit two solo homers in the ninth, and then like Vanderbilt had nothing after that. And that, that carried over to Saturday's game, it carried over into today's game. I'm mean, Tennessee, if we if we took out the beginning part of the season, like the first whatever games, the first 37 games, you'd be like, oh my God, Vanderbilt is terrible. Like they have no fight. And Tennessee is the best team in the world. And all the we know that's not true. We know Vanderbilt is the better team just based off of what's happened this year. But there was something off about Vanderbilt. I, I was I'm a Vanderbilt believer. I think they're a really good team and like a national championship contender, but not the way they played this weekend. It was bad. What about that play? What about that play up the middle where the short uh, second baseman flips it to the shortstop? That was pretty cool, huh? That's one of the best plays I've ever seen. I've seen 10,000 baseball games in my life. I don't want to say one of the best plays. I think it was one of the coolest plays. I think it was one of the best plays I've ever seen. Dude, no. Coolest is better is a better word than best. All right. Tomato I mean, tomato. Okay, never mind. I won't, we won't argue about this then. I think it's one of the coolest plays. I don't think it's one of the best plays I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was unique. Right. Let's uh let's give while we're still here on the SEC, let's give South Carolina a tip of the cap. Founders Park was rocking all weekend. Florida was they they weren't they weren't the same Florida team. They very similar to Vanderbilt. They just were not the same team. They couldn't hit with runners in scoring position. They were letting the umpires kind of get to them. Um, and like anytime like after the starter got pulled in all three games, the bullpen was nothing. I mean, with Brandon Neely out will, suspended, they were they were nothing to be scared of in the bullpen. I will say Thursday night the umpire was absolutely atrocious. Terrible. Terrible. His strike zone was disgustingly bad. I yeah, mean, for both teams. The Florida reliever, it was so bad. I mean, guys were throwing balls knee high right down the Richards, and they were called for ball. I mean, but they had like what four or five walks in a row in that that meltdown inning. Five. They should have been out of that inning long before that on a strike three call. It was mm-hmm. it was really bad. So, and I think that just set the tone for the rest of the weekend. That inning alone. Uh, I mean, I don't. I wouldn't go that far. But what we both, you, dude, that I, I'm going to give. Whole... Yeah, I'm going to give credit to both of us here because we called it a long time ago. Now it took longer than what we thought, but we knew just based off of Florida's track record the last like, however many years, four years. There's always one weekend a year where they just look flat. They look terrible, um, and we knew it was coming at some point this year. And I think we projected it last week. No, two weeks ago at Tennessee, we were like, yeah, Florida's going to lose this series, no doubt. They're going to go to a bad atmosphere. Um, you, and- said, you said if South Carolina loses the Bandy, they're going to beat Florida. And if they beat Bandy, they're going to lose to Florida. So- no, that wasn't the point I was trying to make, though. I was saying that 
we called that Florida is going to have one weekend where they look oh, yeah. terrible. Yeah. And this was the weekend. Yeah. So if you're Florida, shake it off. You got Missouri next week at home, Texas a and Vanderbilt and Kentucky. Like go win two of those series. Um, it, win two of them convincingly, and you're going to be probably a national seed. Like they've done enough the beginning part of the season. Um, you know, sweep Missouri, win two out of three against Texas A&M, yeah. and then don't get swept by Vanderbilt or Kentucky. And like they should be a national seed, I think. Uh, they're still a top eight team in the country. I just think South Carolina brought the thunder. South Carolina's lineup is so deep. Their pitching staff is so electric. Like they're they're fun to watch. South Carolina is a very fun team to watch this year, which is something I never thought would be said in the Mark King scenario. I, I always thought he had players that were just kind of vanilla, like very very plain. But th- they're showing emotion this year, and it's fun. Yeah. Hey. I just noticed that USC walked off UCLA to take the series about 30 minutes ago. Say that again? U- USC did? USC walked off UCLA to take the series. Well, let's talk about the Pac-12 because the two teams I did not want to see win the series were Arizona State and USC because I think I called them each a fraud Like recently. I thought they both took advantage of very weak schedules up until this point. And Arizona State – with in a thriller today against Oregon state back and forth game ended up being 12 to 10. Um, Arizona state beats Oregon state two out of three. I was wrong. And then I thought USC was like a team that was not very good, just winning games against easy opponents. And I thought you, I thought UCLA was going to show them like, you know, who the blue blood is. And it's weird saying blue blood because USC has a way better history of college baseball. But anyways, I just thought UCLA was going to take it to USC. And, of course, USC wins the series. Like, that's – of course. Of course that would happen. Of course, of course that happened. But, yeah, Pac-12, I mean, Stanford – I mean, dude, this Stanford better win this this conference because if UCLA or – I mean, Oregon is still in it. But if Oregon State, we knew, was going to be have a down year, rebuilding year – if UCLA isn't very good and Oregon State isn't very good, that means Pac-12 wide open. Well, I mean, I'm looking at the standings right now. Arizona State 13 and four, Stanford 13 and five. So Arizona State has a half game lead there. Oregon 11 and seven. Oregon looked pretty good against Cal, uh, at least today. I don't, I don't even remember what happened those other two games. I'm looking it up right now. Um, but USC sitting there in fourth place. And oh, Oregon won the series against Cal. Good, but USC eleven and seven tied for third with Oregon, and I know their RPI is bad, sixty, but they like they play a pretty tough schedule to end the year if I remember correctly, and that number is just going to get lower. They still have USC has at Washington against Oregon against Arizona State and against Arizona. You got to imagine if they play well in those, like they should be in the tournament, which. I mean, that's cool to see, I guess. USC back in the regionals. The Trojans are blooming. What does that even mean? Um, yeah, no, I, I think I think everything is still in front of them. Everything is still in play to make a regional. So, yeah, I mean, one, two, three. Pac-12 will probably end up being a four-bid league, maybe five, depending on if Oregon State and UCLA step their shit up the rest yeah. of the year. The team um, that's playing the best baseball right now is Arizona, and they're, like, way down in the standings, but – they swept Utah and put up a billion runs. They beat Arizona State in the midweek last week, like twenty to nothing. Um, 
Arizona's a scary team. Like they they also have big recruits, big time draft guys, but they're just in eighth place right now in the Pac-12 at nine and twelve. So they have a lot of work to make up. Yeah, getting swept by Arizona State and Oregon doesn't help. And UCLA. They've gotten swept three times this year. Yeah, I don't know where how I feel about or Arizona. I mean, they just I don't know, man. Don't they're know, a team. Man. I'm gonna I'm gonna put down. a I'm going to put a little circle around them, just be like, all right, let's see where they're at in two weeks, see if they can get back to 500, a little bit above 500 in conference play. Uh, but as much as like I've kind of hated on Arizona State this year, it's good to see them back in first place. And like Willie Blumquist, like he's done a great job with that program. To, to go 13-4 and four in conference play is, is hard to do no matter what conference you play in. And yeah. – uh, 27 and 12 this year, 31 RPI. They're a team that they're rooting for Mississippi State to make a big run because they they lost two out of three to Mississippi State at Mississippi State. But the higher that the the Mississippi State RPI gets, the better Arizona's RPI is going to get. Yep. Hey, dude. Um, it's currently a, a, the clock is about to strike 5 a.m. and I'm starting to get delusional here. So, do you want to end this? on the Sun Belt in Coastal Carolina being unbelievable. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk Sun Belt here, and then I'll let you go to bedtime. Um, I'm sorry to the listeners. I am like – I'm like literally just scrolling, not even processing what's in front of me. Well, what's different with that and then like a normal day? There we go. There we go. Get a little laugh out of you. Um, there's, there's three big storylines here for the Sun Belt, in my opinion. I have them all written down. First one is there, I, I tweeted this out. I'm just going to quote myself, but there are 304 teams in the country that don't want coastal Carolina to be a national seed because of how great they play at home. Southern Miss got a taste of it this weekend. Uh, the, the cool thing, dude, the cool thing to me about coastal Carolina is like they weren't projected to be even like a top three team in the uh, in the uh, Sun Belt by anybody. You know they had a lot of new faces there. Like nobody was sold on pitching. They were like, ah, their offense is so so. I, I was reading back on the D one baseball preview, and like they they weren't want- they weren't sold on Coastal Carolina. Um, but basically, right now their RPI is at six. They're going to be ranked in the top ten when the uh, rankings come out tomorrow for D1 baseball. I mean, basically, they they have no no reason to like not get to Omaha this year if they're a national seed. Like, try to beat them twice on their home field. It, it's it's hard. Like, it's it it's almost impossible. Like Southern Miss got smacked around the first two games, and if, I'm proud of Southern Miss for winning today and, and like salvaging a series where they score had to score double digit runs. Um, I'm actually like really proud of Southern Miss, like showing some fight there. But to beat Coastal Carolina twice in a regional, it's tough to do, especially when you get down on pitching because they just eat up bad pitching. And then in a super regional, if they hosted a super, like you have to beat them twice in three games. Good luck. Yeah. Hey, in the Sunbelt preseason coaches poll, Noah Ledford was voted player of the year, Tanner Hall preseason pitcher of the year, Southern Miss first, Georgia Southern second, Texas State third, Louisiana fourth, or Georgia Southern Texas State tied for second, Louisiana fourth, Coastal fifth. So they didn't even have them top three, like you said. And then 
Um, let me see. Coastal had not a single player voted to the All Sun Belt team. Well, they're going to have a lot this year. I um, mean, yeah. You think? It, one more thing I want to say about Coastal um, before we move on to a different team. But if there's a listener out there that can help me find this clip, there was a clip tweeted out um, where Coach Gilmore even said, like, it was a local news broadcaster, like, interview. He's like, yeah, I don't really know what we have working with this year. We're, uh, we're young. We're going to have to try to find guys on the mound to get out. You know, he basically didn't even hype up his team. I don't know if that's, like, gamesmanship or he knew he had something special, you know, a very good club, or if he was actually not sold on his team, you know, in the preseason a couple weeks before the season started. What if Gilmore was playing chess, not checkers? That's what I'm saying. It might have been gamesmanship where, like, he didn't want to hype up his team. He didn't want the spotlight. He he kind of knew in his back pocket, like, yo, this team is going to be really good. But there's also a case where maybe, like, maybe he saw his pitching in the preseason and in, in the fall, and he was like, yo, like, these guys kind of like, aren't very good, and, like, we're not hitting balls out of the ballpark. I don't know. I'm, I'm really curious. I'm trying to find that clip. So if there's a listener out there that can like pull it up and like tag us in it, um, that would be awesome. Cause I know I saw it. Like I, it's one of those things. It's not the Mandela effect. I saw this clip and I want to rewatch it and just kind of see what his facial expressions are like now that we're, you know, 40 games into the season. Yeah. Um, I'm going to see if I can do a Twitter advanced search. Yeah. See if you can pull it up. I'm going to talk about another team here. I already said I was proud of Troy. Um, I, I kind of started the show with that. But the Louisiana Rage and Cajuns really hurt my feelings this weekend. And I, I mean that like they actually hurt my feelings because I picked them to win this conference preseason, and they were in second place going into the weekend. And they were coming off a huge mid-series, or midweek win over LSU where they looked like Matt Deggs and the boys – we're, we're just clicking on all cylinders. And they come into the weekend and play James Madison, who was, I think they were five and eight going into the weekend in conference play at the bottom of the standings. And James Madison just whooped, like, dude, they whooped him. James Madison was the better team. And I mean, good for them. Like, I, I'm glad James Madison is playing good baseball right now. But yes, Louisiana, they hurt my feelings. Uh, how how can I mean I wouldn't say James Madison playing good baseball. They just got swept and got stomped by Southern Miss last weekend. And no, I'm saying like I'm saying like this weekend they're playing good baseball. Like they they yeah, played baseball this weekend, but that's like that's like the same thing with freaking William and Mary. They they had all they they had everybody's attention. Then they get swept by North Carolina A and T. Like so weird how baseball works. Like you come off. A huge midweek win against the number one team in the country, LSU, and then you get swept by James Madison. Like what? But by the way, I see you're watching the video. That's, is that the video you were talking about? This is exactly. It. I'm gonna play it over the the podcast here. I want everybody to listen to this. Anybody? Hold on. There we go. I think in a lot of ways we're very talented. It's just you know we just don't have anybody really for the most part that's really done it over a period of time. You know, uh, you know, outside of Nick, he's the only one that's really been here for a while. That's, you know, got two or three seasons under his belt and got got you know some career stats and things like that. So, you know, it, part of it's exciting, part of it's unnerving to be because you just you don't know what they're going to do. 
think in a lot of ways. Wow. So that was the exact clip I was talking about there. He um, he wasn't I, – I think he was confident in his team, but at the same time he was like, we, we don't have any experience. Like we, we don't know what to really expect, and we don't know if we can do it for a full season. I'm telling you, that's Gary Gilmore playing chess. That's an experience. I think so, that too. That's a that's national crazy. champion not wanting the target on his back. That is that is beautiful. So, yeah, um, I'm really intrigued by how the Sun Belt's going to shake out. I think Coastal definitely will win the regular season title. But I want to see which – like, I want to see which of these teams – it's going to be right behind them. Is it Southern Miss? Can Troy really like the Sun Belt tournament? It's going to be so much fun, man. Like I, I, I really, I'm really excited about that Sun Belt tournament because a team like Louisiana could roll out there and win that tournament. Old Dominion, we're just Southern. Don't sleep on them. They just, they just can't put a weekend together, man. They can't put not, they, they cannot put together three games Friday through Sunday against a good team. I mean, like. I think they're a good team. They just don't show it. They just cannot put it all together Friday through Sunday. Yeah, I mean, you're 100 percent right. I, I I'm looking up it. where like, the I'm looking up where the tournament's going to be held at because that's a big that's a big factor of like who's who's a potential winner. It is going to be in um, well, how is okay? Ten a ten team tournament would be held at Riverwalk Stadium in Montgomery, Alabama, Tuesday, May 23rd to Sunday, May 28th. Now I, mean, I got to look up Riverwalk Stadium. Hold on. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking, I mean, Troy, Old Dominion, Texas State, Louisiana, and Georgia Southern are all in that 50 and 60 range RPI. Any of those teams can absolutely roll through the last three weeks of the season, strong showing at the turn in the tournament, and they're a regional team. So one, two. I mean, three, may, three, as of right now, they have maybe three tournament teams. Troy, 33 RPI, one and three against quad one team. I don't think that's a tournament team. So really interesting. I'm really intrigued by this conference. Yeah, me too. So the conference tournament's at the Montgomery Biscuit Stadium, uh, Riverwalk Stadium. I'm looking up the dimensions right now. It is 314 to left, 380 to left center, 401 to center, 377 right center and 332 to right. It's a true ballpark. I mean, 314 to left is kind of small, but looks like a pretty big wall there. I don't know. It'll be fun. I mean, last year we saw Louisiana come out and win that thing, clinch that uh, that regional berth. I, I, I expect the Sun Belt tournament to like have a team come out of nowhere and win it, like an App State who played really well this weekend. Hey. Uh, we cannot end this show, and this is way off topic, but we cannot end this show without getting Peyton Otali the credit he deserves. Complete game shutout against East Carolina. The guy had been flying under the radar as a two-way player, and, man, did the guy drop his nuts on the mound this weekend. Dude, he's competitive, too. I watched the last three innings of that game when I saw, like, East Carolina was about to be upset. He is, dude. He is a scrappy, competitive dude. That like I know his defense loves playing behind him. Uh, and Wichita State, I, I know East Carolina. I know. Well, I know Pirates don't usually do well in the state of Kansas, but because um, there's no water around. Uh, but the Shockers, man, they, dude, they're in, they're tied for first place now in the AAC with Houston. 
you know, t- 12 games into the conference play. That's cool. Uh, Wichita State, in my mind, has always been a baseball school. And, uh, you know, I hope they find a way back into the tournament. They're going to have to win the conference tournament to get there. Their RPI is pretty bad. But Peyton, t- yeah. I think it's Tolly. Peyton Tolly is, um, I mean, he's a stud left handed pitcher. He also hits in the middle of the order. Um, somebody to keep an eye on for next season. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yep. I think, it, I mean, I'm sure I, I'm not sure. I know we're missing stuff from this weekend, but damn, it's hard to cover everything. Well, shout out to, so I have a few more things. Shout out to Oklahoma sweeping Texas on the road. They're right back in it. Uh, West Virginia could potentially host a regional and, and West Virginia's crowd was amazing this weekend sweeping TCU um there's like several other things that we'll leave off here for now i'm sorry uh but i know it's 6 a.m or 5 a.m wherever you're at dimitri i respect it i will i will end my appearance on this show with this (coughs) cal state fullerton is one weekend closer to winning the big west and my pick probably one of the my best picks of all time is calling cal state fullerton to win the big west it's not there yet, but we are getting closer, fellas. Boys and girls, we are getting closer to the Fullerton Titans winning that conference. I'm so 15 excited. and three. 15 and three in Big West play. I Crazy. Mean, wow. I I'm hope they host a regional. I hope they host a regional. That would be so good for college baseball. Yeah, that's awesome, man. But yeah, yep, that's all I've got. All right. Well, for everybody that listened, really appreciate you for listening to us here. Um, kind of short on time. So if we didn't talk about your favorite team, uh, let us know. Maybe we'll, we'll talk about them on Thursday's episode. But um, really appreciate all the support on social media this weekend. Thank you to all of our Patreon members. Uh, thank you to everybody who's bought merch merchandise from us. That, that's awesome. It shows us a lot of love. Um, you guys go check out our website and uh, check out our, 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 our shop that Dimitri built. Really cool stuff there. Um, if we you have merchandise... We will if you have-, have more merch coming soon. I am currently working on designing more stuff. So we will have some more cool stuff up there. Um, yeah. And I mean, just go check it out. Thank you for all the support. Until next time. All righty. See you guys. We won a national championship for, for Ole Miss and um, all the past players and all the fans across the country and for the state of Mississippi and the University of Mississippi. Uh, we did it our national champs. Breaking ball. Oh my goodness. Deep right field. A grand slam. Base hit. Arkansas is headed back to Omaha. And here's Tommy White. First pitch swinging. In the air to center, D'Onofrio back and it's gone! The legend continues! Got him swinging! The Campbell Campbells, the dynasty of the Big South. And now Tony Vitello bumps the third base umpire. Set. He'll throw that as a line drive in the gap. Did he do it again? It is another ball in the gap for Morrell. Another extra. Oh, that is gone. A home run for Brian Morrell. Swing and a ball driven. Way back. And foul. No, gone. He did it.
Ortiz kept it just bare and walks it off with a grand slam. That one is launched. Where will it land? The Hispanic Titanic with a blast again. <laughs> Melendez doesn't get cheated.